All right. Well, we are in our eighth and final week of the Chosen series. We've been going through season one of the Chosen, eight episodes total, and we're going to be finishing that up here today. But before we jump into that, a few things I just want to highlight first, and this is um, important. Um, Well, all this is important, but this is critical in the sense that uh, one of our own, so Don Houghton, uh, if you know the Houghtons, Don and Alta, Don is in ICU right now um, with pneumonia, um, and uh, they are putting him on oxygen and trying to figure out. That happened this morning. So I want to take a quick moment and ask you uh, here in the room and those of you virtually to join me in praying for Don and Alta. Father, Lord, we want to ask that you would lay your healing hand on Don right now. Lord, uh, that you would... um, not only heal him physically, Father, but that you would also reassure him, remind him of your presence in this very moment. I pray for wisdom and discernment for the medical staff as they uh, discern and uh, treat uh, Don's condition um, and stabilize him so that he can get out of ICU and eventually out of the hospital and back home. And Lord, we pray for Alta as she is uh, certainly struggling with not being able to be with Don right now. Um, uh, Lord, I pray that you would give her tremendous peace and encouragement. And also, Lord, that you would spur the medical staff, Lord, to keep her as informed um, as possible along the way. pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, two things that I want to reiterate from the announcement video. The first is that next Sunday we have a three-pronged event. We have our Thanksgiving service that starts at 4 and then chili cook-off from 5 to 6. And then we're finishing that off with our congregational life meeting at 6 p.m. You can come to that whether you're a member or not uh, to, to the congregational life meeting, but you can come to all of that. It's a great time of not only celebrating who God is, but all that he's done and all that he will do. And, uh, and so um, one thing I just want to highlight, though, is that some of you have uh, a significant chili recipe, and we want to experience that. So if uh, you would like to be a part of the chili cook-off, uh, it's super simple. You just sign up at the sign-up sheet at the information desk out in the commons, and uh, we can expect uh, your chili that night, um, and uh, we'll, yeah, we'll just get stuffed. So that'll be fun. And then the other thing I want to highlight, too, is uh, this week begins our Operation Christmas Child experience. It starts Wednesday, and it goes through Sunday the 21st. But preparations have been going on for this for quite some time, including today. So if you're not familiar with Operation Christmas Child, this is a chance for us to once again participate in packing shoeboxes of Christmas gifts and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to kids all over the world, largely to children who don't receive any gifts or any semblance of, uh, uh, of uh, love in that kind of tangible way, and also many children who have never heard of Jesus. And so this is a fantastic opportunity for us to, to send that message, not only, hey, we love you, but Jesus loves you. And uh, so we want to be a part of that. Uh, we pack over 5,000 shoe boxes every year. It's amazing. This, this church, we're not huge, but yet we have a huge thumbprint when it comes to this endeavor. We're, we're well known throughout uh, this region uh, for that effort. 
Um, and we need some help today. Um, so uh, we have some things that need to be unloaded, uh, some uh, stuff that needs to be set up. And so I want to invite you to join me, my family, other volunteers in setting up the commons and other spaces in the church. Uh, it won't take very long. Um, we'll have some pizza and uh, get some uh, work done uh, in, a, in a decent amount of time and, and then get you out of here. But if you could stick around for a little bit after the service, that would be fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so I'll remind you at the end um, if that's something you're able to do. All right. As I mentioned, eighth week, eighth and final week of the Chosen series. And as we have every week, we've looked at this disclaimer. So let's read this again together. The Chosen is based on true stories of the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Some locations and timelines have been combined or condensed. Backstories and some characters or dialogue have been added. However, all biblical and historical contexts and any artistic imagination are designed to support the truth and intention of the scriptures. Viewers are expected to read the Gospels. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been using this series as a springboard. I've been talking about this every week. This series is a springboard to then diving into God's Word and seeing and exploring specific truth that we find through the message of Jesus Christ and the gospel. So we're going to do just that again here today. But one thing we're going to do a little bit different. Every Sunday up till today, what we've done is we've looked at a scene from The Chosen and we've uh, seen how it's connected specifically to a passage we actually find in Scripture. A lot of times these scenes have been almost word for word what we find um, in the various books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But today we're going to do something a little different. Uh, the scene that we're going to see here in just a minute, uh, you're actually not going to find in the Bible. Uh, it, it, it's a scene that involves Jesus, his disciples, and namely Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus uh, sounds familiar, and some of you know who that is, but in case you don't, uh, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Uh, he is someone who is uh, high up in uh, the Jewish um, law and uh, governance. And we actually see in Interchange, we read about it in John, the book of John, chapter 3. John 3.16, actually, right? The most famous verse in all of the Bible. Uh, that is a conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus as Jesus is telling Nicodemus how one can be born again, and Nicodemus' mind is literally blown, right? Now, we don't have any indication about what happens with Nicodemus after that interchange between he and Jesus, uh, there's no evidence in Scripture other than we see Nicodemus show up when Jesus is being buried. Uh, so one can assume that this conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus had some sort of effect. But whether Nicodemus followed Jesus or not, it's up to speculation. And so what this series, one of the things that it did is it kind of fictionalized some things. It asked the question, well, what if Nicodemus was convinced that Jesus was actually the Son of God, which he is, and what if Nicodemus was invited to follow Jesus, similar to that of the disciples, and then what if Nicodemus then was, was um, uh, proposed that kind of dilemma? And we see that 
pan out in the episode. So we see Nicodemus wrestling. He believes that Jesus is the Son of God, but then he, he can't quite get himself to let go all, all the things that he's grown accustomed to, the comfort, uh, the prestige, all these things that have been real in his life. He's, he's really struggling with letting go. And in the episode, Jesus invites all those that he's asked to follow him to meet him in a specific location, and then they would begin the journey together. And Nicodemus can't quite get there. This is what happens. everyone. Everyone's here? Yes, this is all of us. Is there anyone else? Look at this. What is that? I don't know. Let's find out. Gold. A friend of mine left that for us. It's enough for two weeks of food and lodging. <laughs> you came so close. What do you mean? We need to go for it to make it to a camp in Tiberius by nightfall. Simon is correct. Let's go. Should I have others? Now, as I mentioned, this interchange, this situation, you're not going to find in the Bible, you're not going to find it in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or anywhere in Scripture. Uh, but yet, this scene had a very profound effect on me personally as I watched it. And it, it actually led me to a passage of Scripture that we're going to look at where Jesus, uh, he, he tells us, uh, instructs us as to what the greatest commandment is. Um, I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, it'll be on the screen here in just a little bit, but uh, we're going to hang out there for a little bit. But the reason that this uh, passage had such a profound effect on me personally is because I, I, I think that this speaks to us or many of, of those that claim to follow Jesus today. You know, we, we, we have... Uh, conversations with one another, or we hear messages, or we listen to music that speaks to following Jesus and giving him 
your all. The, uh, Oswald Chambers, he was a, a, a theologian, um, and he says, and I love this, and I use this all the time, that worship is giving God the best of what he's given you. And, and so to give him worship is to give him your best. And, and we wax poetic about that. We agree, I would think, that many of us would say, yes, we need to give Jesus our all. We need to follow him, right? But whether we truly do that, I think, is up for grabs. In that, I think that there are, there are many who claim to follow Jesus and do what Nicodemus does here in this scene. Because following Jesus, as we're going to look at and dissect here in just a moment, following Jesus requires a great deal of letting go. It means a complete change. It means a complete transformation in what it is that you deem as important and what it is that you put your passions and uh, what you uh, claim as desires. It, it changes all of that, and, and it sends you into a stratosphere of, of transformation that for many people is uncomfortable. To consider giving Jesus your all it might require you changing something about your life. The things you do, the way in which you behave, the people you're with, and those things can be scary because we like to be comfortable, don't we? And so many people, what they do is what Nicodemus did in this scene. You know, they'll take certain parts of themselves, whatever that is, and they'll, they'll place that, that treasure inside. You know, they'll, they'll say, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable with this. I'm comfortable with these things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in a, in a bag, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to drop it in a corner for Jesus to find, pick up, and use in the way that he sees fit. That's what I'm comfortable with. That's what I'm comfortable with giving to Jesus. That's following Jesus, is it not? Deciding that which I want to put in this bag, leaving it on the corner and saying, Jesus, do what you will. But is that following Jesus? Many claim to follow Jesus, but very few actually do. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, Jesus, you know, as he was prone to do, he, he gives us nuggets of truth that we often overlook. Because in the greatest commandment, which I'm sure you've heard, you've heard messages before, you've heard songs about it, you, know, you may have uh, talked to others about it as well. Now, the greatest commandment, Jesus has asked about it. We're going to read it here in Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40. Uh, it says this, one of the experts of the law tested him with this question, text, tested Jesus. He said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets 
hang on these two commandments. Now, I've preached about the greatest commandment uh, many times before. One of the things that I talk about a lot when I do that and with other people in conversation is that the greatest commandment, Jesus is asked a singular question. Uh, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus gives a plural answer. For many years, I thought that uh, the greatest commandment was two in one, but rather it's three in one. Kind of gives you some reminiscence of the Trinity, does it not? To love, uh, to, uh, the greatest commandment is to love God, to love others as you love yourself. They are enmeshed, they are inseparable. Uh, to do one and not do the other is to not do it at all. But here in this greatest commandment, Jesus gives us the essential ingredients as to what it really means to follow him. There are three components, your heart, your soul, and your mind. And these are three very distinct, important things. So what does it mean to love with all your heart? Does that mean a, a, a Valentine's card? Does that mean uh, uh, chocolates uh, one, one day a year? What does all your heart mean so all your heart, as you could probably assume, means uh, it's what you truly desire. It is where your love and devotion reside. But here's the important aspect of loving somebody with all of your heart, uh, your desires and your passion. That requires, all your heart requires relationship. Okay, that sounds obvious, does it not? But here's the not so obvious part. To have relationship with one person, and that could be a marriage, that could be a friendship, it could be um, parents and, and child, it could be any relationship. To have relationship with one another requires communication. Maybe again, a little obvious, but the communication, it is solely on the quality and the quantity of that communication that dictates the strength of that relationship. The quality and the quantity of that communication dictates the strength of the relationship. You have relationships, we all do, with other people, but we also have relationships with other things. And we actually communicate not just to people, but to things. When you spend time watching TV, you are communicating with that television. You are communicating with that medium. If you're on social media, you are communicating uh, to that social media. If you are on your phone doing whatever, you are communicating uh, to that. And so basically what all your heart means is that, yes, your desire, but your desire is what it is you are in relationship with the most. What you truly desire is what and who you are in relationship with the most. And who you are or what you are in relationship with the most depends on the quality and quantity of who or what you're communicating with. Does that make sense? So if you truly desire, if you are loving the Lord with all of your heart, then, then that means you are in relationship with Jesus. You are in relationship with the Lord. 
And if you are in relationship with the Lord, that means you're communicating with Him, and that means that your, that your quality and your quantity is up to task. And how do we communicate with the Lord? How do we communicate with the Lord? We do that through prayer, where we talk and we listen. So that's all your heart. That is to love the Lord with all your heart, but then to love the Lord with all your soul, that is which gives you your life distinction. And that is essentially your faith. But it doesn't stop there. Because, yes, you can believe, and I would imagine that most people in this room do believe in God, do believe in Jesus, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins and then rose from the dead and is living today. You have faith. But what, is, what does it say in James? In James chapter 2, verse 14 The author writes, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? The author goes on to say that faith without action is meaningless. It's meaningless. It's pointless. You know, every every, uh, January, and when you have days like this, we get reminded that January and February is coming. Um, and every January, we always do, um, either verbally or subconsciously, we do some sort of New Year's resolution, do we not? We always are like, this year it's going to be blah, blah, blah. And what, what, is, what is probably the, the most uh, uh, frequent thing that uh, individuals commit to do every January 1st? They, that is to eat better and work out more, weigh less, Right? And for many of us, what ends up happening? Oh, well, May and June comes along, and we're like, why am I worse off than I was five, six months ago? It's, it's every intention to go to the gym, but never actually going. That's what faith without action is. That's why faith without action, without works without deeds is meaningless because faith isn't isn't meant to be just good intention faith at its essence is service and so how is it that we love the lord with all of our soul we serve others that's how we do that we serve others So to love the Lord with all your heart requires relationship, and we do that through the quality and quantity of our communication and essentially prayer. And to love the Lord with all of our soul requires action, and we do that by serving others. So then what does it mean to love the Lord with all of your mind? And that is intellectual commitment, intellectual commitment, intentional thought. Our mind is the springboard towards other things. Let me explain. What it is that you think about, what it is that you set your mind to, it dictates how you feel. So what it is that you 
fix your mind on, it dictates how you feel, and then how you feel dictates what you what? Do. That's why Paul says in, in, in Romans, in chapter 12, verse 2, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is that so important? The, the devil, the enemy, wants nothing more than to get you to think about things that are not of, of God, that are not true. To think of things that are lies and not truth. Because the enemy knows that if he can get you to focus your mind on things that are not of God, that your feelings will follow. And if your feelings will follow, then your actions will follow suit. And the devil wants nothing more than to see a bunch of Christians do things that don't line up with what it means to truly be a believer. That's why, that's why the, the Bible tells us that we need to think about whatever is noble and pure and just. Think on those things. Think on these things. Think. So all your mind, to love the Lord with all your mind, it requires meditation. And what does the Bible tell us? Tell us it tells us to meditate what? On God's word. Day and night, it says. So to love the Lord with all your Mind is to study the Word of God, to be in the Word of God, to read the Word of God, to meditate on the Word of God. The heart, the soul, the mind, they aren't different parts of a person, but rather they are different ways that we relate to God and to others. To love the Lord with all your heart is relationship, communication, prayer, to love the Lord with all of your soul is action. It is faith in action. To love the Lord with all of your mind is to set your mind on things above, studying God's Word, meditating it on a day and night. And here's the thing. Some of you are really good at being in the Word of God. Some of you do that every day. Some of you are really good at praying. You're prayer warriors. People go to you to ask for prayer. Some of you are just tremendous at serving others. You would drop anything to be there for somebody else. But to follow Jesus is not having the corner market on one of those things. Following Jesus requires that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. It means that you have relationship and communication. You are praying. You are talking with God. It means that you are serving others. You are looking and intently wanting and desiring to be there for other people. It means that you are meditating on God's word day and night. That's a tall task. But to not do that, 
to not love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind is to essentially do what Nicodemus did in that scene. It is to put in this bag certain treasures that you're okay with with being uh, rid of or giving to him and then laying that or setting that in the corner and walking away saying, God, do with that what you will. But that's not what Jesus wants. Jesus, uh, earlier on in, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 25, he says this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves must take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Church isn't, this isn't a self-help group, guys. We're, We're not... We're not trying to write books and selling them and so that you could you know, read something and, and, and feel better about yourself and your place in this world. You know, this, is, this is about Jesus. And this is about what it is that he's asked you to do. He's given the ultimate sacrifice. He's provided the way for you to have life and life everlasting. And he's not content with a bag of treasure lying on the ground in a corner. That's not following him. Giving him just a little bit, whatever you're comfortable with, is not following Jesus. Following Jesus requires so much more. There's a song that I absolutely love. It's, it's called by, it's, it's by Matt Papa. And uh, in the song, he talks about the cost of following Jesus and how it requires so much more than what we give it credit for, all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And in the song, he basically says that if that's enough, a bag full of what you're comfortable with in the corner on the ground, if that's enough, then stay away from Jesus because that's not enough. He wants it all. And he gave everything. He deserves it. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that the message today, the truth of your word is um, convicting. I pray that it's convicting and challenging. I'm okay with that because it is for me. Lord, I pray that we would, um, for some of us here, that this rings true, that we would stop playing church like we're playing house as five-year-olds, but that we would recognize 
how much you gave. In our, in our death and in our sin, when all hope was lost, you gave your life as a ransom for our sins so that we could be free. You gave everything so that we could have everything. And you ask that we give everything in return. May we do just that. I pray this in your name. Amen. Let's respond.